Hi, this is Chris, host of A Couple of Drips. Just before we start, I wanted to say a quick word about our subscribers' memberships. If you'd like to help support future episodes, you can subscribe to the show for a few pounds a month. This will help fund production, coffee and guest expenses. Simply click on the support button in the episode description. Cheers and enjoy the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Settle in and turn it up. It's time for a couple of drips. Coffee, conversation, and occasional quips. Here's your host, Chris Granger. Hello, and welcome to the latest installment of A Couple of Drips. Thank you very much for joining us. It's lovely to have you here. I'm going to introduce my guest for today. Uh, he's a man with many interests and a very interesting and varied background, none of which I'm going to spoil in this introduction. I will just welcome him to the studio. Please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Chris Baxter. Hello, Chris. Well, hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, what a lovely, smooth, silky radio voice you have there. Oh, why, thank you. It's completely put on just for this. Excellent. Oh, sure. Great. Well, <laughs> if you can keep that up for an hour... <laughs> She said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be fantastic. So Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you, where are you from? Where are you currently now based? Uh well originally I'm from Peace River, but I haven't lived there since I was nineteen. Um yeah. I don't really recommend anyone else live there for too long either. <laughs> Apologies I mean, <laughs> to all our northern listeners. I love my hometown, but it's been yeah. voted one of the worst places to live in the UK like five years in a row now. Um, yeah, I ran away to, to join the army when I was 19, um, after giving the finger to my university place. Um, and I've not really stayed in one place for very long until I ended up in Stoke, which is obviously much better than Peaceborough. Beautiful. Um, Love it. and, uh, I ran away from Stoke to, uh, North <laughs> Mid Wales, I should say. Oh, nice. In, Where, in the, whereabouts? In the Tannet Valley, Llanfaglin. Oh. I'm it took me a year to learn how to say that yeah i i love wales actually um but i i have a short wales story to tell you which um i should have really told you off air but i just say it's so good i thought i'd save it because um i spent the week there last week uh in my cousin's holiday home yeah I, I saw you very Post. pleasant very nice apart from the journey back on sunday it was my sister's birthday on sunday and uh, so we didn't leave until six in the evening. And of course, we're in the middle of Storm Eunice, is it at the moment? And um, every road we went would either 
the river banks had burst or it was flooded or something. So three and a half hours into the journey home that should have been an hour and 58 minutes, according to Google, we were actually further away from home than we were when we started. And we ended up going all the way out and all the way around and right up to virtually Whitchurch and then joining back on the A5. Nine and a half hours, 3.30 in the morning we got home from leaving at six o'clock at night. Was that on the, the Sunday just gone? That's the Sunday just gone. I was that... travelling back from Kidderminster that day and ah. it took us, well, there was two fell trees and three road closures and we ended up using farm tracks to get back. Yeah, we had a couple of riverbanks burst, a couple of places where we were in a 4 by 4 but we still didn't risk it kind of thing. It was, it was absolutely insane. Um, so that was the most surreal car journey ever just like uh, at one point even the a5 was flooded and we had to get off the a5 for a while and then you're hitting a b road again and you're going oh no if this is we really are stuck if this is flooded we're going to just be sleeping in the car you know kind of thing but uh, i tell you what there was a point where we're running out of petrol and i've never been so glad to see a service station with a starbucks in my life you know those the two women who were working in there overnight didn't know what hit them these people were like you know like you've been lost in the desert or you've been in a plane crash and you've not seen people for three months and then you see the first but it was that kind of reception they got you know crawling (laughs) at grabbing at the windows like zombies absolutely yeah very much so very much so boy did we buy a lot of coffee (laughs) (laughs) but that was that was amazing just a little side story there was what was the name of the place you were staying again uh, we were staying in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah. Abu Dhabi. Love it there. Which the they spell um, Abu Dhabi. It's, it's a funny spelling there yeah. locally. Um, yeah. But uh, shout out to the little bistro that we went to on the seafront, which I've totally forgotten the name of now, of course. Um, but um, if I remember it later in the show, I'll drop it in. Um, but that was we had some nice food and some nice breakfast there. But I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Abu Dhabi is lovely, but um, it's, it's lovely because it's never too crowded. So yeah. if you're listening, go to Barmouth. It's much nicer. Don't go to Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay, that's for us. All right, go to Barmouth. With well, unfortunately, my peasants. cousin cousin doesn't have a house in <laughs> uh, in Barmouth. But uh, well, you know what they say though: the girls from Abu Dhabi don't, but the girls from Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> oh no, toning. <laughs> Anyway, so that was that was my weekend, uh, which was interesting. How was your weekend? What did you do last weekend? Um, I went to see my parents in Peterborough. Um, oh. took, took my brother because obviously COVID um, has been a pain in everyone's ass for mm. uh, over two years now. So it's been my both my parents, minor inconvenience. I would describe it as yeah. yeah. It's, um, well, I got I got stuck in Iraq for four months, but we'll come to that. Wow. The yeah, so my both my parents. What were you doing in a medieval torture? T- oh, Iraq. Sorry, Iraq, not yeah. on Iraq. Right. No, okay, I, sorry, I saved I do that apologize. for Tuesdays yeah. at the club. <laughs> <laughs> what you said about being a vinyl fan before? <laughs> so, so yeah, a couple of prominent birthdays. My brother's fiftieth, my parents' seventieth, both. Wow. Um, nice, and uh, it's, it's been a, a long time since all of us were in one place. At the same time, so mm. we, we all planned to go together. Uh, my niece got COVID. Um, oh. My sister's garden blew away, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as many of them did. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a nice full woodshed now, though, oh, uh, well. full of the arbor and the, the picnic bench um, and some of the rose bushes. Yeah. yeah. But hey, well, yeah, maybe that enough. was COVID's last swing 
as it's Maybe. going down. Maybe. Let's let's hope yeah. things things can only get better, as they say. Yeah, with yeah, we we swap COVID for World War Three. Let's yeah, it's a first. Yeah, um, when we're recording, the uh, minor skirmish in the Ukraine is currently kicking off. More of that later, I yeah, feel. But uh, first of all, let's um let's have some coffee. Coffee time. Cyber coffee from the sound. Cyber coffee, nice. yeah. I don't know why I went for singing robots, but um, bored during lockdown, I think. <laughs> uh, like, what can you do in a studio? Oh, I know. <laughs> Let's make myself sound like Metal Mickey. <laughs> so, what are we drinking, uh, Chris? Uh, coffee. We're, we are. We this... are indeed coffee. And um, next week... <laughs> <laughs> I literally just looked at this as well. Uh, no, I didn't look at anything. Um, <laughs> he is reading from a card, which is fine because if I had to pronounce the names of coffees without looking at a card, I wouldn't bother either. There's a lot of detail. It's very nice. This is uh, a roast from Pact Coffee called El mm-hmm. Durazno. Um, and this little card is it's fantastic. Um, it gives you the full the tasting breakdown, the, the notes, the nose, even. There's more on this coffee card than there is on most bottles of wine. So I'm yeah, very impressed. That's true. And it tastes fantastic. And it's supposedly got hints of what? What do they say it tastes of? Black tea and mandarin. Um, I can definitely get both of those from it. Actually, it's nice because it's it's, it's different parts of your tongue pick up different flavours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you get the mandarin on the tip of your tongue. It's quite a light mouthfeel. It's it's quite um, it's it's not a heavy coffee. I would say, which is probably for the best because we made eight hundred mils of it and we've just caned it, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for someone who normally drinks. Um, very strong coffees, like black tar kind of coffees. You introduced me to Skull Crusher coffee. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I did actually buy a bag after you recommended that. Yeah, what do you think? <sighs> apart from, apart from, yeah, once you've calmed down. Yeah. I mean, you can't... <laughs> it, if you asked me to give you tasting notes for it, my response would be, who are you? <laughs> Where what, am I? What are you doing in my house? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, yes, it's a coffee that tastes very much like coffee, a Skull Crusher coffee. Uh, if you've never tried it, and if you're um, very sensitive to caffeine, I recommend giving it a go at uh, once. Oh, but, who doesn't so, enjoy a, a good round of palpitations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's high-quality coffee beans, but I would say if you need a massive caffeine kick and you're really not into drinking Red Bull and things like that, it is... Um, Something you have to try once. Um, don't drink it late at night. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not if you enjoy sleeping ever yeah. again. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you mentioned the cards there. I like the little cards from Pax. It's, it's quite it's a, a, it's a nice little touch. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can tell it's... Um, when when people care about their products, they go the extra mile to describe it and mm. its origins. And mm. when someone's put a lot of effort into something, it shows because they're, they're keen to tell you about that effort. Mm. Uh, and share their knowledge. Yeah. Definitely. Talking about quality products, how about this for a segue? Uh, talking about <laughs> qu- quality products. Um, tell us what your uh, tell us what your current job is, Chris. I 
am now a professional full-time luthier. Um, for someone who doesn't know what a luthier is or thinks it might be the um, nemesis of Superman, would you like to uh, tell yeah. us a little bit more? Yeah, it's not an obscure form of religion. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I make stringed in, stringed instruments. Very nice. Um, so the, the term luthier covers uh, all stringed instruments, um, but in in modern day, it tends to refer to guitars. And I'm building Beautiful. guitars, electric guitars, and basses at the moment, and an acoustic on the bench. I will obviously put a link to some of the pictures of the things that you've built in the description, but you've just finished a, a rather sexy bass, I understand. Yeah, it was, um, and th this is really the core of what I want to do, um, is, is tailor-made guitars to the individual. Um, it was a man of modest build, he wanted a bit more variation, so he wanted a five-string bass, um, but he needed it to be short-scale. And oh, okay. you, you try finding one of those online. Yeah, there are many of those online. Yeah, um, and the construction comes with uh, a couple of problems, like uh, there's a bit less real estate um, mm -hmm. on on the body, um, the the intonation, the the fretwork has to be spot on. So it was it was a really nice challenge, um, and I even had him into the workshop a couple of times to to fit the body. So the body is carved to fit him as he likes it. Um, you know. How how do you normally how do you Chris when you play mm. are you normally stood up you do you sit down? Well, it's in, that's an interesting question because when I started to learn to play, I was having classical guitar lessons, so I was very much sit down, the little footstool that raises you one leg up, sitting in the traditional classical position with the headstock, it's kind of level with your face, but obviously uh, that's not very rock and roll. So when I play bass, I generally standing up but i have an incredibly heavy duty padded strap i use the levi's straps made in the states they're incredibly heavy duty padded i think they're about 70 pounds for a strap kind of thing but you get what you pay for kind of thing you know they are incredible straps um but i play it because i learned classical i play it very high up yeah so it's yeah. not very rock and roll you know, but you find that your bass guitars don't end up with strap buckle marks in the back of them, which is quite nice <laughs> yeah, as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I tend to play it quite high up, which is why I need to lose some weight at the moment because the bass oh. sort of, it's like sitting, laying the bass on a table at the moment. Well, uh, if, if you wanted the bass from me, I would say, right, well, well, let's let's come up with a body shape that fits your style of play so it doesn't end up swinging around and moving, so you're not constantly yeah. having to adjust yeah. it. Um um, there's um, the name escapes me now. There's, there's a famous concert classical guitarist, and she's um, she's a huge crush of mine. Oh, I've forgotten her name. I'm really annoyed. Um, <laughs> I'll have to break out Google um, because she, she's stunningly good looking and an incredible guitarist. But she plays sat down with quite a shot, like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Um, and I've, I was watching her play, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if the guitar had a shape or something? But so he would rest leg. on yeah. her leg. And and that was one of the things that started me thinking about tailor-made guitars and why is there not more uh, innovation with guitars? Mm. And I want to be an innovator with it, and there's a lot of different things with modern production guitars yeah. um, which I feel I can improve upon for people. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's interesting you talk about that kind of that form-fit guitar, you know, the um, because the, the, the biggest leap when leo fender was inventing the stratocaster and the the precision bass 
the biggest leap was when when he decided to shave the back and actually contour the back so that it was actually comfortable to fit against the body you know that was that was kind of a massive leap there but yeah you're absolutely right it would be nice with a classical guitar if you could have that kind of curve over the, over the leg it's it's just one of one of many features that you can that you can customize you know yeah. i, I want to make custom instruments that are uh individual items um for that person you know something they never want to part with yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and when i talk about industry standards like you mentioned the body contour on a fender is a good one um another one would be like the c-shaped neck people argue over which is yes. the best kind of yes. shape neck a, a c-shape a d-shape um you know flat back there's all these different kinds yeah and it all depends on what shape your hand is and how long your fingers are yeah and that's very prefer. true so if you want something in between i hand carve all my necks yeah um yeah. so like <laughs> i had to give the guitar to to its, its current owner um and and he was all about the body and i said no no you need to run your hand up and down the neck yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of like absolutely and and tell me what you feel when you're playing it is it too thick is it too wide you know is there anything i can do to make it better um so it, it takes a, a bit more time mm. but, that, but that's that what you pay for that's the hand. service isn't it that's yeah. the service the the um boutique as it were individual artisan use whichever posh term that you <laughs> you, you like kind of yeah. thing but that's what you're paying for for a, a not an off-the-shelf guitar which is built for an average body an average person and you might have a c-neck as you say or a d-neck or even a v-neck that's a guitar v-neck not a jumper but you know if you're having one custom made obviously that's that's the the difference you get you can have it right from the start you know it always amuses me you see so many people buying off-the-shelf guitars and then like the first thing they do is i'm going to change the machine heads or i'm going to change the bridge or i'm going to change the neck or i'm going to yep. change the pickups and it's like why don't you just get one made with everything that you want on it to start with you know if you yeah. if you don't like it off the shelf why are you why are you buying that in the first place you absolutely know? absolutely and and slightly more baffling to me is when people buy custom handmade strats or, or tellies mm. or you know, flying V's, and they're they're just they're just copies. They're just built by someone who isn't that brand. Yeah, um, they'll yeah. be very well made, and they'll be coloured yeah. the way people want, and maybe got some some different hardware in. But essentially, it's 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 a carbon copy, and you, you could have something <laughs> unique instead. And I think if uh, I mean, not everyone's everyone's someone's perfectly happy with having off the shelf stuff. Yeah, but but if I, you're paying someone to build you something individual. Why make it like a something else? Why not just say, right, this is completely off the shelf. This is completely individual. Let's not make a a jazz bass or a Stratocaster or, you know, let's let's make it whatever we want it to be, kind of thing. Yeah, and I I would hope that it would lead to to innovation as well because I, want, I said before I want to be an innovator. I want to um, get away from production line stuff because when you've got uh, a standard construction process that's been repeated hundreds of thousands of time, and the Strat's a perfect example for this. Mm. Um, you, you can outsource. You've got CNC machines churning out hundreds of bodies at once, yeah. uh, hundreds of necks, and they're, they're just kind of hand-finished as assembles and mm -hmm. shoved out the door. There's a lot of features on the guitar which suit the process. They've changed the features on the guitar to make them easier to mass-produce. Yeah. So who says that's the best way of doing it is, is, is it the fastest most efficient probably they've, they've put millions of dollars into to yeah. getting to that point but if you've got 
something special, something different. You know, don't there's, don't be don't be unimaginative. Don't yeah, hold back. There's definitely something to be said about the difference between something that's carved by someone by hand and something that's done on a CNC milling machine. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, it's, CNC has its place. Um, I mean, I've I've got a small uh, like hobbyist CNC machine which I use just for um, making my templates, so I can route cavities sure, and that kind sure. of thing. Um, and I can I can also use it for a little bit of signage and side projects and things like that. Um, but I can also use it to skim very large pieces of wood, so I get a nice flat surface. So th there's a, there's a lot of machining applications which don't take away from the fact that something's handmade. Yeah, I'm not I'm not carving the bodies using it. I'm not making the necks using it. Um, because <laughs> I think. Hand carving the the neck and the bodies uh, two of my favourite processes. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's um it's like putting your signature in it. It's, it's your yeah definitely. It's your sweat. Yeah, you, yeah. You're out of breath. Um, sawdust in my beard and everything, and the smell of the wood coming up and the whole process is extremely lovely, satisfying to me. How do you feel about the electronic side of it when you're when you're doing that? Is that something that motivates you or is it something or, or or as you sew into the wood and that do you feel that the electronics is is kind of something you have to do but it's not not the fun bit sort of thing it's uh <laughs> you're you're edging dangerously close to a conversation about tone with there my friend mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the yeah the electric side is is also something that i think could benefit from a lot of modernization um because much like Martin changed the way acoustic guitars were being yeah. built and they yeah. standardised things like bracing and body shape. Yeah. A lot of the guitars in the, in, in the 60s, I mean, this is fairly recent, you know, we're not talking mm. 100 years ago here. Mm. Um, the electronics were, were done in a certain way, with certain pots, certain wires, uh, a certain look to them, um, yeah. and the, the pickups were manufactured in a certain way. And people now seem to think that's the best possible way it could still be done. Mm. Um, and I beg to differ. Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of advances uh, in technology. Then I mean, I, I I like passive basses and 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 that, but I I do like the active sound as well. I th you know I think there's there's room for all these kind of variations in there. You know, I don't I don't massively object to a guitar with a microchip preamp in the back of it. You know, or something that takes a couple of nine volt batteries. You know. Yeah. Um, it's not what I'd go to first of all, mainly because I'm lazy and I leave guitars plugged in and the batteries go flat if you do that with an active. Yeah. But <laughs> I've, I've done that so but, many times. But yeah. partially because I'm a more traditional bass player, I guess. I kind of sit in the mix kind of thing. But that's not for everyone. And who's to, there are no rules in rock and roll, thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And um, you, you mentioned PCBs mm. and... Um, People start to twitch if they see a guitar that's got a PCB in it. Mm. Uh, even, even though that some of the, the more innovative guitars from the 60s and 70s, which do have primitive PCBs yeah. and switches and preamps and, and, yeah. and active components in them, um, are kind of divisive, yeah. um, but desirable items in terms of, um, I suppose, uh, antiquity. You know, people collect old technology, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like our friend Mick, and they're a bit of an oddity, but no one's thought, well... Why don't we do that again, but with modern components, with modern chips? Yeah. And uh, one thing I've got to go at the moment is is a friend of mine. He's a, he's a PhD in electronic engineering and um, 
uh, specializes in, in gadget. I, I can't even remember the title of his thesis. It's so complex, but basically computer languages, you know, uh, uh, he speaks all of them. So we're coming up with a proprietary PCB, which will be um, a feature of all my guitars. It's, it's a modular um, item, which is primarily going to cut down on loose wiring flapping about the place, which Very nice. is also shielded. So we're cutting down the amount of noise, which means that you don't have to be so pernickety about the internals of the yeah. guitar. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously all going to still be shielded. Yeah. Um, but the effect is it's going to cut a lot of noise out, I think, and make them for a much cleaner sound. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a shield, <laughs> shielding things. You just, you've just reminded me of when I bought my first American Fender bass there and just Obviously, the first thing you do is you take it off and look at the electronics. You take the panels off and have yeah. a look. And I remember looking at how well that was wired up and all of the heat shrink and all of the shielding and everything. And then looking at one of the cheap squires that I had and how that was wired up inside. And I was like, that's what you pay for. <laughs> that's what the money's going on. Not just the woods, but the quality of the the workmanship with the electronics there as well i love interesting electronics in guitars actually i mean we're not talking about sort of the dare i mention it the 80s synthax and that kind of thing the yeah. guitars that had midi midi uh, things in them and, and various different things like that but in the late 70s early 80s and i can't remember the manufacturer's name unfortunately but I remember Chris Squire from Yes had a couple of basses that actually had effects in the bass. And I can't remember the manufacturer now, but they did this system whereby there were slots in the back and they made effects units and you could slot them in and out. You could have two or three onboard effects. And there's um there's a Yes track called Tempest Fuji, if anyone wants to check it out. And he has this flanger and the flange is actually built into the bass. So it's got this real kind of presence, trebly kind of sound. I mean, would that be any uh, an area you'd be interested in going in, maybe putting onboard effects into a, a guitar? Again, that's that's something that's um, really down to the individual. Some people, they want all the controls they can have mm-hmm. um, on their guitar. You know, you can have something like um, like like the Red Special, which has got controls for every... Uh, for all of the three pickups, and each one of them's got an on-off switch and in combinations and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Coil tap and all sorts. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. Um, some people find that to be over-engineered, and they just want mm. one volume knob. Yeah, you know, they don't even want a tone knob. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that on my amp, or I can do it with my foot pedals. So mm. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. And um, as long as no one's going to be that always surprises me when people do- say that because I always think yes, you can do tone controls on your amp, but the tone control on your amp is different to the tone control on a guitar, I think. And, like, I'll always get my tone set right on my amp, but then I'll always back the treble off on the on the bass to give it the warmth. I, I think the tone controls are doing a different thing, personally. No, well, you're not wrong, yeah, because you can, um, you can alter how the tone control works on a guitar by altering the size of the cap for a start. Yeah, yeah. Um, which means if you really want to, you could have a, um, a 33... Uh, none of farad on your neck and a 44 on the bridge if you are so inclined you know this is the benefit of custom guitars again mm. um just just throwing plugs in there yeah and uh, <laughs> so presumably that is controlling as it were the cue uh it's it's controlling how much 
of the the bandwidth of the treble it's pulling out. So whether it's just pulling out a specific frequency or whether it's pulling out quite a wide range of frequencies. Yeah, ex- exactly. If you get into it and you're looking at um, the, the, the sine wave, you, you're you kind of clipping yeah. the sine wave uh, where you want it to be. For, for controls on a guitar, ideally for me, I want a volume control for each pickup, whether that's on a switch or on a, on a knob, mm. and I want to be able to control the tone of each pickup. Mm. Um, just for versatility, and like you say, you, you, there's a lot of controls you can do once you pass the guitar, yeah. and some people like it that way, yeah. and that's absolutely fine. That's you see, that's really them. interesting, because my approach as a bassist is the exact opposite. My favourite bass is a P bass, I think. I like a jazz bass, but I like a P bass. I like one volume and one tone control. Um, I think I'd quite like, no one makes one, but I'd quite like a P bass with one volume and one tone, but maybe alternative pickups, so you can have a pickup selector, but just one master volume kind of thing. But, I mean, I guess that's the kind of custom thing you can do, is you you can do all these different wire-ups and different exactly, configurations. But, but also, if you've got the person who's built it for you, you go, you take that guitar away for, mm. for three months, and you go, oh, actually, this isn't working for me. Mm. You can bring it in, and I'll rewire it, it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And getting back to the, the kind of how much electronics do you want to stuff into a guitar um, before it becomes a synth. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any particular line because you can... He says you, ashamedly you, putting the dust cover on his bass synth pedal. <laughs> <clears throat> you can yeah, cover it up, get it out of my sight. No, I'm joking. Um, there's, there, there, there's a slight tangent here on the attitude of people. In, in any hobby, in anything you go down a rabbit hole with, there's always going to be elitists and people who think that their their opinion is their subjective opinion is objective truth, and it's mm. it's it's hard for anyone entering that community to kind of get over that. Whereas my mind is 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 wide open, and people can do what they want as long as it's what they prefer and not yeah. what they've been yeah. told to like by someone else. So if you want to have every onboard effect you can think of. If you want a small PC humming away in the back of your guitar that makes it sound like a piano, whatever, you know, that's fine by me. If you want to just have a synth, if you want to have a MIDI guitar, mm. then then buy a MIDI guitar. Mm. There's, there's a... <laughs> I'm not sure where you'd put the line between a guitar doing synth stuff and a dedicated MIDI instrument that looks like a guitar. Yeah. Um, but that's not for me to say. Yeah. I mean, things like the Synthax were, were like that. But uh, Roland do a very good system now where it's it's just an external pickup that you glue onto the, <gasps> glue onto the guitar <laughs> and uh, it plugs into a sort of interface and stuff. They're interesting, but uh, I, I guess they're useful for songwriting and stuff if you can't play keyboards and you, you really want to use a guitar. I've heard a few applications. I think there's a Genesis record where Mike Rutherford uses synth guitar and one but uh, i think they're quite limited in their approach but um never say never as technology yeah, yeah grows and moves on who knows yeah something that's becoming quite popular is uh is having piezo pickups um oh yeah in, in the in the, the bridge and saddles of uh electric guitars yeah piezos are really interesting um i've heard um some of the yamaha six string five string and six string basses people like uh john patatusi and nathan east have those um in the bridge and it, it makes um these massive expensive electric basses sound a bit like an like an acoustic 
Yeah, they're increasing in popularity um, a lot at the minute. I think there's a bit of a resurgence. A um, couple of companies have re-engineered the piezo pickups that are going under the bridges. And um, I'm, I'm making an assumption that they work well on basses because the uh, the the weight of the strings the, the, the heaviness um, creates a, a really nice signal yeah. for them. Obviously, they've they've been around forever. Um, every electroacoustic has a piezo pickup, at least one in. They have microphones as well now, uh, the posher ones. But yeah, you can you can you can put them on just about any electric guitar now, and with a decent pedal set, a pedal set, and some. Um, presets and a bit of post you can make an electric sound very much like a, a very nice acoustic much like you can make a yeah an acoustic guitar sound exactly like any guitar you want with all yeah. <laughs> with all with, the effects with, with and enough distortion and yeah and stuff yeah absolutely i mean how close to an acoustic do they do they sound would you say will they the, there's no danger of ever replacing an acoustic i guess oh not even close no i suppose it's it's a bit of a novelty um there's there's no reason you would have uh, an electric on stage why to sound like an acoustic um would, other than I, on I, the record you'd played two different two different guitars yeah, and you yeah, haven't yeah, got I time mean, to change from an acoustic to I an don't know why you do that if you're a professional performer and not have mm. a roadie come out and switch your guitar for you yeah um but it's it's still fun why not you know yeah um I mean I, I like because um Although the 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 action on my strat is is nice and low and very quick, um, the, the the way strats are, you know, for solo work mm. that kind of thing, um, I just I do love the way my acoustic feels. The, the strings feel tighter. Um, the action takes a little bit more work. Yeah, but it's it's satisfying. I like the shape of the body. So sometimes I crank up the gain on that, you know, and I yeah, smash yeah. out some like some really heavyweight blues, yeah, any minor, and that kind of thing, and it sounds fantastic. Mm. Um, but I, why would I do that mm. live if I was a performer? It's great for my yeah, my, yeah, my, my yeah. little home studio. Yeah, I've heard some interesting sounds. I mean, I, I think uh, just to Nathan East working with Clapton on the start of Bad Love on the Journeyman album, um, he's using um, a piezo pickup on that, and I think on Tears in Heaven as well. It sounds like it's um, a double bass, and when they did the Unplugged said it was a double bass but um yeah. in reality on the record it's actually um an electric with a piezo one because it's just easier in the studio isn't it just to plug straight into the desk than having to to mic up a double bass <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean technology is at the point now where um you could turn this conversation into uh something that sounds like someone playing a bass yeah absolutely yeah um but there's a lot to be said for uh natural sound that's produced you know yep. at the point of origin sound if you will yeah so i mean yeah i i will be putting piezos in my guitars in the future yeah. um i will experiment with it maybe maybe one for myself first or maybe i'll butcher my strat again yeah <laughs> and, yeah uh, and stick one in that um but uh yeah it's each to their own but you'll never replicate the sound of a a true acoustic mm simply because they are i mean scientifically speaking acoustic guitars are fascinating so i mean how do you feel about the argument that the quality of wood affects the sound of an electric guitar yeah okay you can you can put a piezo in uh, a strat and make it sound like an sound like 
an acoustic guitar mm. like underscored italic in yeah, bold. Yeah. Um, but acoustic sounds like acoustics because of the way they behave, the way they produce the sound. Mm. Um, yeah, the, 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 they're a resonant chamber, aren't they? Effectively, you know, the, the, the sound moves around inside the body of the instrument, which is nothing like an electric, I guess. Yeah. The, the soundboard of an acoustic guitar is in essence, um, like a speaker cone. Right. Um, the the strings produce vibrations. They transfer through the uh, the saddle or bridge mm. uh, into the soundboard, and the whole thing moves. And you have the sound hole, which acts like an air pump, and you have the the back in particular moving in sympathy, mm. um, sometimes in in sync and sometimes in opposition to mm. the soundboard, depending on which string you pluck, depending on where you're tapping on the body, mm. and depending on what wood it's made out of and how thick it is and where your sound hole is and how big it is and where your bridge is positioned and how it's braced and what material the bracing is made out of and what yeah. material the neck is made out of. And it all matters. Mm. In an electric, you're producing sound by inducing a current using electromagnetic fields. Yeah. And as long as you've got a nice rigid neck, mm. that means that those strings are vibrating in a in an nice smooth and uninterrupted way yeah then it's all about the pickups and the electronics yeah so the difference between like a a, a high-end let's say a very expensive gibson or a strat or, or something like that um and a cheap economy budget model obviously obviously the electronics can be better in the more expensive model but it say if we had two identical guitars electronically and one was a, a budget guitar and one was a top-end guitar. It, is the difference mainly then about the feel of, of the woods and the feel of the, the guitar rather than actually having any effect on the tone? Assuming we've got the same player playing yeah. both guitars. Yeah. And for argument's sake, it's the same set of strings. Okay. But the electronics inside are different than the higher quality electronics are going to produce sure, a better sound. Sure. I mean, yeah, again, with modern technology, you can take a really shitty Mexican-made guitar mm. with, with 10-quid pickups in it, mm. and you can do a lot of engineering to the sound to make it sound nice, but that's a lot of effort when you could start off with a nice instrument in the first yeah, place. Yeah, But the wood isn't going to have that much influence. No, I, I was, I was going to say, if you take all the, the fancy electronics from one and put it into the other, there's going to be minimal change. Um, there's there's one guy on YouTube, he did a fantastic experiment. I don't know his name because he's not introduced himself on his own channel yet. Um, <laughs> he actually removes all the wood. He screws his um, bridge into a, a workbench, runs the strings to a set of tuners which are held in place by a bit of wood with two motorcycle engines on it, and then places the pickup near the strings, and he compares that sound to the guitar fully assembled. And there's no difference because you can't interrupt an electromagnetic an too much coffee it's good stuff uh, an electromagnetic signal is not going to be affected by the wood that's nearby so i mean obviously you're a luthier building i mean where where do you get you where do you get your woods from is it is it sustainable materials nowadays my, my first couple of builds i i was kind of suckered into oh i need to get 
nice quality wood to yeah. make a nice guitar. Yeah. Although by the time it had arrived, I, re- I realised that I was spending a lot of money on a large, solid piece of walnut to make a nice-looking, yeah. but essentially heavy guitar. Heavy, very heavy. <laughs> solid, <laughs> solid walnut with um, with a kind of a blues humbucker setup in it. And the, the five-string short-scale bass um, was made out of maple, purple heartwood, Wenge, uh, maple and purple heartwood veneers to create the, the, the layered laminated neck through and a very expensive piece of olive wood on top. Um, I thought that was olive wood when I saw it, actually, it is, because yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a, it sounds a weird thing to say, but I have a chopping board that looks very similar. You will see them, and I, I cannot walk through a TK Maxx without going and looking at all the chopping boards and yeah, thinking, nice. I wonder how many I, of those I, I can sandwich, sandwich a few of those together <laughs> and to get the thickness that I need. Yeah. That's right. I mean, some yeah. of them can quite thick anyway. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, I look at every piece of wood I walk past now, I'm like, this wardrobe, hmm, is that's, that solid That's wood? not can wood. I, can I add strings to that? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm very interested in... Um, Careful, there's a line in there. Reclaim. <laughs> I'm very interested in using reclaimed and sustainable sources because yep. there's a guy in America who runs New Perspectives Music. People know the name Tim Sway more than they do New Perspectives Music. Mm. And I love what he does. He builds guitars out of pallet woods, out of hollow cord doors, wardrobes, uh, and all sorts. He's even started making his own pickups. Fascinating. Out, out of scrap wood, essentially. Mm. Um, and not not everyone likes that because there is an attitude towards high quality wood being a high quality instrument and that kind of thing. But it's certainly influenced me and where I live in Wales and the community's green sort of eco attitude in general has, has influenced me. So the, the 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 next guitars I'm producing, I've got some Elm, Ash and You, and they're all from that's all from casualty trees, which have come down in storms a couple of years ago. Oh great. Um I've got some bits and pieces. There's, there's a, a piece of mahogany from a church organ. I've got a walnut nice. wardrobe door, which is coming, which is 10 mil thick. So that's perfect for a few fretboards Lovely. or even a top. I've got some pallet wood arrived <laughs> as well. Wow. Um, and a load of lumps of mahogany. I think it, it looks like a really big, heavy skirting board, but it's like Brilliant. two inches thick. And this is just, this is going to get burnt otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it into musical instruments. I'm gonna give it a voice and and That's, hopefully create some I mean, joy. I mean, normally when you see someone recycling or that kind of rejuvenating of something, normally it's it's worth slightly less than the original thing. But you're actually gonna pro- probably that wardrobe will be worth more as a guitar. I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
I um I also I I came up with the idea of um kind of re regenerating or replacing what I'm taking by using wood in my guitars. Um so I I've I've kind of doubled down now because I'm gonna be planting a tree. For every guitar that I build, I'm gonna be planting a tree. I've got a small Fabulous. piece of land in Wales and there's also a, a rewilding project going on. Um so I'm gonna be supplying um trees there i've got one spruce which has been planted for the five string bass brilliant um, so and in future that my my customers will get did you did you call it jack <laughs> jack spruce that's no, a bass damn, player joke for anyone who's a bass player i should will, have i should have that joke was for you it doesn't have a name but now it does thank you yeah yeah <laughs> and uh so yeah so um, aside from the the whole package I I provide, that's fabulous. Um, they're going to get a little picture and a little certificate saying thank you. Here's, oh, here's, that's fabulous! Here's I, your no, tree. That. Give it a name. We were talking <laughs> earlier about the pact and the cards that come with the coffee, and what a nice touch that is. Yeah. That that to me, Chris, that is a really nice thing that you get a bass guitar, but you also get a picture of the tree that's been grown to replace the one that was used on that. I, I love that. I really like that. I think that's fantastic. What a great idea. So I'm, I'm going to encourage people to plant trees so they need to order guitars from you. Absolutely. And we'll plant Absolutely. more trees and save save the planet from carbon dioxide. Yeah. The, the, the tree planting thing actually came from being in um, parts of West Africa where deforestation is is a huge industry mm. um fortunately a couple of the countries are visited so they're, they're putting caps on the amount that they cut down and export now yeah but you've seen these incredible um like coca bolas and and other other trees trees i've never heard of mm. um they must be some of them pushing seven uh, 700 to a thousand years old wow four or five meters wide dwarfing the lorries they're being carried Fantastic. on and some of them grow up to like 200 meters tall and that made me think, like, who's buying this wood and why? Mm. Um, and, and and then I got home, and I'm looking at this piece of walnut that I bought, and I didn't know where it had come from. I didn't know what plane or boat it had come to me on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that kind of cemented my my, my eco-aspirations for this. That's fantastic. Job. And dare I ask the dreaded awful question, how long does it take to make, say, an average four or five string guitar or bass it's it's going to vary the five string bass took me in hours somewhere between 75 and 100 hours yeah but granted i was I was going fairly slow because i was doing a couple of techniques which i've not done with wood before yeah and there was a lot of hand carving to do on some features of the neck nice um i magnetized the truss rod cover and the, the, the rear cover <sighs> um and uh, and I also that's have to, I very do, useful. <laughs> I love using the little um, magnets because it re removes the use of s screws, and screws going in and out of wood um, just deteriorates you, over you, time. So. You're stripping the thread every time you, you put yeah, the screw in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I looked at inserts, and I I, yeah. I I went with magnets in the end. But uh, yeah, I also not spend, to mention taking the heads off the screws. You know, if you've not got because you've never got the perfect size screwdriver. No, have you? no, no, no. You, you can never trust the screws. Which if, if you go on Amazon, you buy screws for guitars. They're made out of cheese. They're horrible things. Oh, they're, they're horrible. Apart. I've had a few of those yeah. strip the heads. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> like the the bridge on that base is secured with um, five just fairly standard wood screws that I, I polished up to look mm. a bit nicer because they're they're decent quality. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. In terms of how long a build takes, um, an example of like like a bump in the road was the the pickups, the Lola pickups I installed. They've got a jazz bass style 
shape and I didn't have a template for that. Mm. Um, and I don't like CNC and directly I like to do it by hand. Mm. So I had to, so what I did was CNC the, the template, mm. which I had to draw, which meant getting the CAD program out. And um, I'm au fait with Fusion 360. I also use Easel from Inventables. It's, it's very quick and easy and very accessible for 2D stuff. <laughs> After a couple of hours, I'd, I couldn't work out why... I was machining this thing and it was it was fitting in perfectly and then I was kind of checking it out, uh, having another look and it wasn't yeah. fitting. I was like, what the hell? So I adjusted the measurements, cut it again, cut it again. Um, I ended up with like six or seven iterations before I realized that the neck and bridge are very slightly smaller measurements from oh, the other no. one. Two different sizes. Um, so long story short, it basically took me eight hours just to make the template for that. But that's that's something that I won't have to do in the future. Yeah. It's a learning yeah. curve, isn't it? Exactly. So that's yeah. that's eight hours you can knock off the time straight away. Brilliant. Um, you can you can knock off the extra little bit of time it took to plan the headstock. For instance, because I'd not done a five string bass before, I'd not worked with tuners of that particular diameter before. Mm. Um, I had to order a new drill bit for the size. All these little details kind yeah. of come together. It, it's that thing, isn't it? That constant accumulation of tools and stuff. But once you've got the tool, you've got the tool kind of thing and you'll never need to order it again. But it's like setting up this studio, you know, when you're first buying stuff, you're looking at how much it's costing you. But then once you get it, you know, the chances of a microphone failing are very, very slim. You know, once you've bought a microphone, you've invested in it, that's probably going to last you 20 years, 30 years, you know, that microphone kind of thing. So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, in, in terms of CAD files, you know, once I've done, they're there forever. You yeah. know, if I ever use Lola pickups again, I, I can just click on that file or, or I can just pull yeah. the template out. Yeah. Um, and it's um, it's it's not. I also have a headstock template now, which I Ooh. I like so much. Someone said that looks a bit like a nose of an X-wing. So I'm keeping oh, that. Nice. That's going to be like a signature thing on my guitars now. Yeah, very nice, very nice indeed. Hi there. Chris here, host of A Couple of Drips. If you'd like to help support the production of the show and buy the coffee we try, then you can either buy us a one-off thank you coffee at coffee.com, that's ko-fi.com, or if you'd like to become a member and give us regular support, then click on the support button in your player. Cheers for listening, and on with the show. I've nearly drunk all of this. Same. How many Same. gallons is that we've got through? <laughs> I don't know. It's a few few litres. Metric, please. It's quite a lot. Metric. So um, you've travelled quite extensively. Where's the uh, where's the best coffee you've had? Uh, Here, they, obviously. No, yeah, sorry. In this room. In right this room now. right now. Yeah. From, uh, where's that card? Pat <laughs> Coffee. We're going to be getting a sponsorship yeah. at, this, <laughs> at this rate. Yeah, so um, I'll have to say the um, Vietnam. Um, oh, yeah, I do pay attention to that stuff because I'm a massive foodie and I love mm. to cook. Oh, yeah, um, me too. So, so one of the highlights of, of the travelling I did was was trying all the local cuisine and, and getting out there. Beautiful. And it was the Civic Coffee. You know, you had um, oh wow, Civ- Civic Poo Coffee in Vietnam. Yeah. I got to get a little taste of that. It was very nice. fantastic. I saw that when I was in LA, but um, they would roast it to order and close the store and do a tasting, but it was $100 a cup, which was a little bit above my budget at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a small, like, uh, espresso. Like thimble a thimble. Full, yeah, yeah. Um, it was very kind. I was, I was being hosted by the local engineers, and they, they were they were. Keen that to was treat really me. nice. Yeah, I would love to try that, I have to say. It tasted... <laughs> you know in Austin Powers where he, where he drinks the poo, and he goes, it's a bit nutty, and... <laughs> yeah. 
I have to say it tasted a bit nutty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Civic shit coffee. Interesting. <laughs> if uh, if you're not aware of that, anyone listening, um, I will put a link in the description to uh, the wiki page for that coffee because if you don't know about it, it really is worth reading about. Yes, and the images will not leave you. No. Especially when you're drinking it. Yeah, When you definitely. put it to your lips. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's pasteurised, of course, because it's had boiling, oh, yeah, boiling yeah, water yeah. poured over it. So, uh, yeah. So, your travel, what, what was your former job, Chris? How come, you, uh, how come you've seen much of the world and where have you been? Uh, well, the travelling split between two jobs. Um, so, I'm, I'm an engineer. I apprenticed into the army in my late teens as an armourer, weapons engineer, and so I got to see various parts of the Middle East, of course. Canada, Poland, I lived in Germany for four or five years. I love Poland, um, I just dropped that in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I love... I Gdansk, love, amazing city. I've not been to that part, I've only been to the middle of nowhere. Oh, you need basically. to go, you need to go, it's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've met some Polish people. People are amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, we went to, um, there's a training area... Uh, called Drosko Pomorski, or it's in the region of Drosko Pomorski. And I've, I've met a few Polish people since then. I, I explain this place to them. They just give me this blank look like, well, where? You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you walk up to every average Englishman and you say, um, point to North Allerton on a map, they're like, where? where? Yeah. 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 But yeah um, and then after I came out of the army, I, I, I floated around in a, in a couple of engineering jobs and I ended up working for a company I used headquarters are in stoke actually as a, an x-ray systems engineer wow yeah large scale cargo x-ray you're talking whole lorries containers trains planes automobiles that's a big x-ray unit yeah that they're they're, they're they're big old things the biggest big emitters to, yeah. yeah um they're to put it in perspective you med- your medical x-rays are sort of in the in the the kilo electron volt range they're, they're quite yeah. light low powered and then the um the truck ones are sort of six mev and they go up to about 15 mev which they use to scan solid rocket boosters wow. um, to find any defects uh, and that kind of thing and that's impressive yeah. you don't want to be stood in front of that no not the 15 mev no, no. <laughs> <laughs> six mev you, you're fine you've, you've got a good solid couple of minutes to kind of stand in front of that beam before you uh before you write yourself off but you've got about two seconds in a 15 mev beam before are done for um so yes uh, obviously safety was a big part of it but yeah these systems are all over the world um on borders so Mm. um in in total who's counting i've been to yeah (laughs) who's counting i'm not bragging been to 31 32 countries uh, including various parts of turkey cameroon uh toga Vietnam mentions all over Europe, uh, the States as well, because I did a course yeah. in Vegas and that kind of thing. Fantastic. Um, I don't remember anything about the course because I spent a week in Vegas. I, well, rem- I remember you know, the week in Vegas. I don't remember any of the education. What happens in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot happened. <laughs> Talking of world tours and radiation, there's a link. I read last night that the Russians have, have occupied Chernobyl. I don't know what they want to do with it. <sighs> what would you do with a I mean, I mean you, you can't do anything worse. No. What are they going to do? Nuke it again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, oh, I think it's just a territory thing, isn't it? Because yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're moving into all parts of Ukraine from, from the south through the Crimea, um, through the north, and of course through the two contested regions. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, good luck to the Ukraine. Um, I mean, it's it's shocking and and quite disappointing actually to be seeing a symmetrical internecine modern warfare between two nation states this day and age. Yeah, um, absolutely. The images coming through on Facebook and Instagram are reminiscent of some of, of the World War Two stuff we've seen. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. horrendous. Horrendous. We are on social media, so I thought it would be quite a nice idea at some point if you wanted to ask any questions to any upcoming guests or just to me about coffee or anything generally, do drop us an email. Uh, email is coupleofdrips at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at coupleofdrips and just get involved with the show if you're listening and if you're not listening who am i talking to but just get involved with the show I'm listening. and get involved with the show and send us some questions and some feedback and stuff and if there's any ideas for features and things you'd like to hear that'd be great don't forget of course we've got coming up soon recording it next week actually the first of two mental health specials that may expand there may be more episodes of that if it's if it's popular we'll we'll see what themes and issues come out of those the first show is people who've used mental health services the second show is mental health professionals but there's a lot of people i think yourself chris included as well said you'd be interested in talking about yeah absolutely mental health uh, not just men's mental health but in general is something that's really important to me um i've been through the mill myself through various mm. reasons um surprisingly not not military related uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 such a crucial issue that needs discussing it is and i think with lockdown and everything over the last couple of years i th- I, I think a lot of it's come to head i mean for I, it's nice to hear it talked about a lot more in the press now because it was it for years kind of swept under the carpet and almost seen as kind of weakness you know and you only have to suffer from mental health yourself mental health problems yourself as as i have as well and you know that it's it's not minor it's not something to be swept under the carpet and it's certainly not weakness you know no it's and something it, and it's, everyone suffers from in their life in one point yeah absolutely there's um it's there's actually statistic that says that there's one in four people um will suffer some sort of mental health problem whether it be short or long-lived in their life that's one that's one in four you know that's yeah imagine walking through a busy crowded shopping center and, and yeah. think, think about the people around you yeah definitely definitely so um other interests chris what do you do when you're not um carving bits of wood and traveling the world uh i i sit around thinking about how on earth am i going to fit in all these hobbies ever um yeah and, and I, I i get free time stress and never do anything <laughs> i mean how did no. we how did how did we meet well gaming um gaming is, is, is a passion of mine i've been a gamer since um i was born 84 so my first console was a nez um, and i've been gaming ever since actually no take that back my first console was a commodore vic 20 on a black and white TV. well i mean my first computer <laughs> was a texas instruments ti 99 4a never heard of it old man it's uh i know 1981 <laughs> and um i at the time i remember wanting a little portable pac-man game and my dad said well, if you had a computer, you could play loads of different games on it. And I didn't really know much about computers at the time, but it was it was an interesting, unusual computer because you could 
it was a normal computer. You could program it and you could load it by tapes. But it also had a cartridge slot like the Atari. Yeah, the Commodore did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah. So you could actually buy really good games that didn't take half an hour to load. On yeah, it, they were generally know. smaller games, but they loaded quickly, yeah. which was good. Yeah. 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 yeah, my parents swear that they had a, uh, an Intellivision before I was born, oh, wow. I'm, I hate them for not uh, for not keeping it and yeah. passing it on to me. Yeah. But yeah, Commodore Vic Twenty on a on a fourteen inch black and white color TV. Nice. Uh, then um, I mean, I'm only thirty eight, and that's how quickly technology's yeah. moved on. Yeah. So then it was a Commodore sixty four, like you say, with the tape deck and uh, the cartridges in the back. Um, and and then uh, I through our mutual friend Stu from your from your feature length special. Yes. Um, he said, um, "Do you online game, Chris?" I said, "No, I don't. I don't go anywhere near that toxic shit." Online yeah, gaming, yeah, absolutely. For wizards, you know? yeah. I played if, World of if Tanks. If I'd wanted to be called a <laughs> by a twelve-year-old, then <laughs> yes, yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll play World of Tanks, and you'll get called <laughs> yeah. a by thirty different people in five minutes, all up to the age of absolutely, twelve, and in yeah. many, many different yeah, colorful exactly, languages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's infamous, infamous for being a, a, a really, really toxic community. But um, it's it turns out you know it's all about who your friends are and who you play with. And I yeah. play with you guys. You know, the, the, we call ourselves the Jedi's. And yeah. the, um, you and um, uh, and Jam and, and Christo and I'm acquainted with before. Yeah. Uh, and there's and, uh, there's there's Mick who'll be on the Mental Health podcast as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Jamie who who has um, been on two previous podcasts because he's greedy, <laughs> and <laughs> and and Lee. Um, Lee yeah. Smith, who will be yeah. on the Mental Health podcast as well. So fantastic! Yeah, yeah it'll be a, a Jedi reunion. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, so we we started off playing um, the Jedi. Started off playing uh, Battlefront, the Star Wars game, and then we graduated to Battlefront Two. Came out and killed the franchise, and <laughs> then we graduated on to Battlefield One, and then Battlefield. Five, was yeah. it? Yeah, and now twenty forty two. And now twenty forty two. So, and we met somewhere in between through through Stu, as you say, who's who's the very naughty boy who was on our Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's who's never on Stu? Get yourself online. Yeah, Stu spends. Um, he won't be listening to this because he doesn't listen to podcasts, <laughs> even though he's been on one. And he keeps going on video, and I keep sending him podcasts to listen to, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll listen to it," and he doesn't listen. But he says he'll listen to one, and if I tell him he's mentioned in this one, he might listen. But yeah. Stu spends a lot of time trying to persuade people to play new games that they haven't played before, but he doesn't actually spend much time playing the games he's already got with us. Yeah. I yeah. spend um, I spend less time gaming than I'd like to because um, because mm. I, I I try to manage the time between all my different hobbies. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, because um, I I like war sports, um, skiing. There's the lake near us. Oh, nice. We go paddle boarding. Uh, my partner does yoga, and I join her a couple of times a week. Fantastic. Um, as as a student, yeah. Um, I'm a huge Warhammer nerd. Um, Warhammer 40k have been since I was about ten years Ooh, old. Oh, interesting. I don't know much about it at all, other than the fact that when I was a kid, uh, my family owned a model shop in Warsaw. And one of the things they did was sell Warhammer figures. So um, tell me a little bit about Warhammer. I, I know very, very little. Well, well, Other than people spend a lot of time painting the figures. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't actually play the game. I've always been about the lore and painting the models. Uh, and yeah. um, one aspect of Man's Health we touched on is, is painting the models is something that's very 
therapeutic. Yeah, sure. Um, and a little bit nostalgic for me as well. Mm. Um, it's it's a dystopian, far future sci-fi um, that was created as uh, sort of an alternative to fantasy tabletop games. So it was, it was Warhammer was riffing on Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons, um, and one of forty k riffs on that, but in space with with <laughs> with lots and lots of different aspects from fifties sci fi that they've blatantly ripped off. So you've got Dune Foundation trilogy, um, you've got Forbidden Planet. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of Forbidden Planet in there. Starship Troopers, the novel, not that oh, hilarious yeah. film. Um, all that kind of thing, and it's all uh, it's into this kind of cautionary, super fascist um, human empire, um, a little bit like the, the Terran Empire from from the alternative timelines in Star Trek, um, but but extremely gothic. Um, all the weapons are horrendous and don't just kill you; they they maim you and torture you. And of course, of course, of course. Uh, all the aliens are these eldritch horrors. Yeah. There's gods. Um, <laughs> fire brimstone retribution and um fanatic faith and it's um if you haven't heard of it before i'm sure henry cavill has brought it to your attention in recent times um mm. as as he's now the messiah the, the the world's most famous nerd and good on him good on him for being shameless about it brilliant yeah i always felt like i i, I played dungeons and dragons and that a bit at uh at school and stuff and we're kind of into that, but um, I guess with things like Stranger Things and that, there's been a real renaissance for that sort of tabletop gaming. And I guess through lockdown as well, you know, with people wanting things to do when they're stuck at home, you know. Yeah, it's... Um, I know that kind of nerd culture got a bit of a uh, a reboot and a, bit of a, and a, and a, and a mm. kickstart, an uplift, whatever you want to call it, um, with... Iron Man and the whole uh, advent of comic books being cool again. You know, it's a new golden age for this kind of thing. Yeah, the, and, the, the Marvel franchise yeah, and all the films. And I'm I'm so so happy to see people coming out of their shell um, mm. to to be openly nerdy. And mm. there's there's a whole new wave of cafes and uh, shops opening up where people go and play tabletop games on their days off. Yeah, um, and they engage in narrative and they're, they're open to new ideas. And it's it's a lovely community, generally, to be a part of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant, brilliant, love it. So are you also, I mean, we're talking about your immense creativity with uh, the guitar building, but you're a bit of a painter as well, aren't you? Yeah, well, I started off on the models, as I mm. say, and um, a long time ago, someone said to me, why don't you paint on a flat surface? Mm. Blasphemy! No, <laughs> no, little plastic soldiers are my uh, are my bit. But um, yeah, I, I started. And I think they were lead originally, weren't they? All yeah, the they, 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 were, they yeah. were literally lead. They're literally poisonous. Um, and so you know, lead models, lead paint, great. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I started doing flat canvas stuff. Um, I, I it's something different every time. Um, I don't rush. I don't sell them. It's just for my own enjoyment. Therapy again, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's uh, a new level of patience um, I've found in recent times that enables me to enjoy all these hobbies at my own pace without any pressure. Mm. Um, 
and um, without having to to post every paint stroke, every brush yeah. stroke on social media like some That's people a, It's do. very zen and it fits in nicely with the yoga and that as well. You know, I think that if, I mean, we could do this as a mental health special now. It's one of those things that we hear so much about dieting and healthy eating and stuff and, and so little talk about what to do to a healthy mind and you, you know, it's all very well having a cure if you have a breakdown or, or you have some kind of mental health problem. But how about a bit of prevention in, in that area? You know, things things that you can do that kind of, you know, prevent those problems before they happen, you know, or recognising the warning signs before it gets too desperate, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think people find these things post-trauma mm. and it becomes a prevention for, for a relapse mm. um, because you, you never know when life's going <laughs> to... Yeah, absolutely. Going to bring you down, um, and you, you can't spend your whole life preparing for some sort of life-changing emotional or physical trauma. Yeah, but certainly aftercare is 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 really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm drawn to your t-shirt. Actually, talking of these kind of things, um, I, we'll do a selfie uh, to go on the uh, on the description for the episode as well. But uh, you're wearing a t-shirt that says "Weaponized Autism." Would you, you want to ex- explain that a little bit? That's right. It is. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a black T-shirt with a pink and chrome eighties retro style print on it that says "Weapon." Slightly cyberpunk, if I and may say that. Yeah this this is this is a the, the mother of all inside jokes for me because it doesn't make sense to anyone else. Mm. But when I saw it, I had to have it because um, in my early thirties, um, I started to become suspicious about the differences between me and other people. Mm. Um, and he was actually Jim Jeffries, the comedian. Um, oh, fantastic. Talk, talking yeah. about finding out in his 30s that he's actually had autism and going, ah, oh, fuck me, that makes sense. Yeah. And I had that moment. I kind of, I, lo- I looked into it and um, I, went, I went to the doctors and I said, I'd like to be tested. And they said, well, we don't really do that anymore because, it's, because it's, we're so aware of it. You know, we don't, there's, no kind of, there's no kind of minimum or maximum metric for this stuff mm. anymore. Everyone's on a sliding scale. Exactly, exactly. So they, they pointed to me towards charities. So um, there's a few charities out there. You can, you can pay to take a very long uh, and involved questionnaire that you have to be entirely honest on. And then they give you a kind of like a best guess diagnosis. And you can, yeah. then you can take this form and you can, you can discuss it with a psychologist if you wish to, which I did. And um, yeah, it turns out I, uh, I'm at the Asperger's mm. end of the spectrum. Yeah. And <laughs> I wish I could say it was a shock, but it was more of a, an epiphany. It was kind of a... Yeah, like, sure. Oh. Oh, that explains oh, this. Oh, it all makes it. so much sense now. So I, I kind of... I went back and I, I just, I, I relived every conversation I'd ever had, um, every little thing that had gone wrong. Anyone who'd, particularly every conversation that was, um, was, was hurtful towards me, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. realized that the, these, the perspective I had and this perspective they had differed so much. Mm. Um, because of this thing. But mm. I don't, I, although I don't. So like, having, that, having that, for want of a better word, label. I guess weaponizes it because it puts so much power into understanding everything that you've gone through and everything that's happened. And yeah, absolutely. It's it was it was kind it of lets a, you own it. I guess it was a kind of a meme um, yeah. for a while. Like it's like this is sheer weaponized autism. For, you mm, know, yeah. I mean, people were making certain comments on Facebook and stuff like that. And there, there's another group of people saying you're not allowed to say anything about autism because it's really unfair and this kind of thing. I'm like, well. 
turns out I am autistic and I do have a really shitty dark sense of humour. Yeah. Um, and I've been involved in weapons and weaponry like all my life as a hobby and as a career. And then I saw this T-shirt and you know, obviously it was, it, was, it was made for me. Made for you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I think Kyle Hill is a science communicator on YouTube. Um, he used to work for Nerdist and now he's got his own channel. And he's, he's, a, he's a really great, interesting guy. He was also on the spectrum and, and he discovered this in adulthood as well. And I found his comments on it very supportive. And he said, autism is my superpower. And that really resonated with me. So that's, that's also weaponized autism. Um, but I thought your superpower was, was rock climbing. <laughs> nice, 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 nice segue. Link. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, no, certainly not. I, um, I'm, I'm pretty bad at rock climbing. I, um, um, if there's any climbers listing, um, I struggle with sort of six C's, six B's. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the many things I like to do, and and it's my partner that got me into that. So it's something we yeah, we nice. do together, like the paddleboarding and yoga, which is which is very nice to have these things that we do together. Yeah, yeah um, good. Good to have yeah. outdoor and physical activities. Yeah. I could do with a few of those myself. <laughs> that would be quite good. It's it's time for that bit of the show. What bit of the show? Where I play the worst ident in the world. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to get naked. Later. Climb to fame. Climb to fame. It's your chance to drop a name Trying to outdo each other's kind of lame One-upmanship is the only aim Claim to fame, claim to fame Claim to fame, claim to fame Oh, thank you very much I can only apologise <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> so, do you have a claim to fame, Chris? This is the question. Oh, very, very, very tenuous. Aside from being on the news for about 0.3 seconds when I did Ooh. the Great North Run once. Um, I met Prince Philip when I was in the army. Um, he came to Prince Philip Barracks uh, in Tidworth and he was, was getting the, the tour. And I was the... The chief weapons nerd at the time, I suppose. Nice. Um, so but he found that interesting. I bet he got conversation out of that one. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I was super nervous. But the entourage kind of come in and the before, and they kind of they they tell you to relax and they kind of give you cues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we had all the all the modern um, sort of the urgent operational um, requirement stuff that they mm-hmm. they brought in. So we had new things like the um, the grenade machine gun, the GMG, um, the new R one fifteen sniper rifle and uh, a couple of other bits and pieces like the modernized rifle and talked him through that and he was he was very chatty it was really good dialogue back and forth mm-hmm. um and uh we, we got got to the last one and he was he was quite fascinated with the grenade machine gun as was everyone else because it's 360 grenades a minute makes people kind of go oh, what um but then he um he says oh it reminds me of uh, reminds me of the the puckle gun and this that and the other and he kind of got into to older weapons and he mm. was he was educating me and he started talking about hiring maxim and he took time out of his day people were trying to like shove him on the way but yeah. he was like no fuck off i'm having a conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do what yeah. i want you know bugger your itinerary <laughs> yeah. and he asked me about 
hiring Maximin and uh, I said I don't actually know a lot about his life um, he says well I, I spend most of my time reading and he, he spent five minutes telling me about all these books that he's read because that's what he likes to do he was telling me this particular thing about Hiram Maxim where he's, he's famous for inventing the Maxim machine gun but he yeah. did a lot of other things like invent a steam powered aircraft which was <laughs> never constructed that, no way yeah that patent didn't take insane. off if you will ha <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. and yeah, it was. It's just really. Fun. There was no gaffes from him, um, but that's probably because the entourage came in before he arrived and swapped all the non-white people for white people <sighs> and all the non-straight no people for straight people. They did miss one lesbian, um, although <laughs> you it's can unbe- see it's it, incredible, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, <laughs> obviously he's got a bit of a reputation, but it was just, I think yeah. it was a really rewarding conversation to have on a grounded level with someone like that. It was yeah. quite nice. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to actually talk about yourself. Yeah, I've told this story before, but the conversation I had with Brian May was about car parking charges. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, because the last thing they want to talk about is, what's it like being a rock star? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any others any other fantastic people you've met um well prince harry walked into the um into the cambastian cookhouse um, yeah. one time mm. and this was about the time that he'd been in the papers for being naked on a balcony with some ladies i think oh. um and there was a bit of hubbub around the uh the cookhouse like everyone's going hey like it's prince harry prince harry <laughs> um, like all very mature for a bunch of roughy toughy yeah, soldiers on an yeah, operation yeah. like oh um, wasn't the time he was dressed as a Nazi then that was a different incident no no yeah. no no then this this was the this was him being naked on a balcony um, and I think he was I think he'd oh, I'm not sure if he'd moved away from the scimitars on to being a weapons officer in Apache officer in an Apache but um, anyway I saw, I, I saw him fly absolutely insane <laughs> did some insane stunts in that yeah. helicopter yeah, he was. Um, I, I don't think he was the the pilot. I think his I think his brother William was a pilot, but I think he was the weapons officer. So oh, he, quite, quite possibly. Yeah. So he was riding. I could have got that. He wrong. was the gunner yeah. riding front seat, but that's yeah. that's still pretty yeah. cool. Like dream job there. Um. Anyway, yeah. Some was, ginger, well paid person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was just scraping his plate. He was leaving the cookhouse, and the place had gone pretty quiet since he'd walked in. This one voice just came out of the back of the room, like, "Get your cock out, hurry!" <laughs> and, <laughs> and the whole place erupted in laughter. His face goes bright red. You know, he's ginger, so he goes yeah. red, like a Belisha beacon. And he stays, pulls up a chair, and he stands up, and he's like, look, looking around to see who shouted it. Um, yeah, that was. Um, Brilliant. It was like there was this tension in the room and it was just gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to dissolve the tension there. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here, even with the desk crashing halfway through the show. So um, no one will know about that because my editing is immaculate. So, uh, But it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to have you here, Chris. It's been really interesting. I hope you'll come back at some point and do another one. And uh, maybe we'll get if the mental health podcast, uh, sub the the subsidiary is that the word, uh, mental health podcast takes up. We we may get you on a group episode as well uh, because that'd be really interesting to talk about. Maybe we actually maybe we could do an autism special because I have a few associates who are at various different places upon the sliding scale, as it were. So I'd love to meet them. That might be that would be actually a really interesting 
uh, I could yeah I can organize that so maybe we'll do that as a special that might be interesting in outstanding the, in the future it's been a delight I hope you've had a nice time here it's been a real treat it's been uh, a really nice experience yeah, fantastic new, yeah. fantastic those of you who are listening if you want to, to get in touch with Chris all his social media will be on the episode description and I'll put links to some of his pictures up and links to him and if you would like a custom built guitar I will let him know how you can get in touch. If um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, do drop us an email at coupleofdrips at gmail.com and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at coupleofdrips. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's been an absolute delight and uh, I hope to see you again at some point. It's been Thanks my genuine a lot. pleasure. Thank you. Take Bye-bye. care. Thank you. Bye-bye now. listening to a couple of drips the show was conceived and presented by chris granger and is a cup the bike production mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Chris here. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the production of future episodes, then subscriptions are available. Simply click on the support button in the episode description. See you next time.